darkly splendid abodes. The official podcast of Toronto Thelema. Exploring, if you will, practical philosophy. From science and the workings of the mind, to spirituality, esotericism, and magic. Stooping down, dipping my wings, I came into the darkly splendid abodes. In part two of our deep dip into Charles Stanfeld Jones' Lieber 31, Michael and I continue our look at Fraderachad's discovery of the keyword to the Book of the Law, and his account of his attainment of the grade of Master of the Temple, and perhaps parts beyond. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Let's move to September 24th in 1918, Era Vulgaris, Anno 14, Sol in Libra. Uh, And this chapter is titled, The Record of Reflections in the Mind of OIV-VIO. I'm skipping down to the third paragraph here. Um, I do not, even now, rashly wish to assume that I attained unto the grade of obsessimus, for I realize that anything I write regarding cabalistic proof thereof can only show that I understand the formula of that grade, and understanding is referred to 8.3 and appertains to the grade of the master of the temple, which office is admitted to me by... Ooh, man, this is a mess. It's supposed to be Therian, but it's just the way that it comes out on the internet when <laughs> we have these. Use Greek. Yeah. <laughs> Which office is admitted to me by Therion 9 equals 2. Also, I understand that it may be that one may in a way attain unofficially without of necessarily holding office in any particular grade. I make no claim to 9-2, for Ophion claims that. Oh, that's Therian. No, it isn't. It's Ophion, but it means means the same person. Are you sure? Yeah, I looked it up. There's a place uh, um, in 1920 in Kefalu when they're working on a a dramatic ritual together, and, and, and... uh, Crowley calls himself Ophion in that, in that too. Really? Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's some god. It's some Greek pri- primordial god. Oh. Um, but uh, I guess that's his. Uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> to me. Yeah, I, I, and no matter how many times I googled it, it only came up in th- in two places: that one bit of ritual fragment, and then here as well. Um, but I guess he was using it for a bit when he was at Kefalu. Uh, and it's weird that he goes Therion to, to, to Ophion in I guess one I'm guessing but, maybe that was his title as a nine equals two. Maybe. But yeah, I mean, like you say, it's like earlier. I mean, that could have been Ophion just didn't translate the first time because mm. it, it ends the same way. But anyway. Uh, I make no claim to nine equals two for Ophion claims that and I have no wish to dispute his right to it any more than he apparently wishes to dispute my right to eight three. But with ten one it is different. There is no one living in the flesh, as far as I know, who claims that grade, and whosoever does, so it is a matter which concerneth God alone. Um, so, 
More cattiness from Fire <laughs> God, claiming without claiming. And, dis- and distinguishing between the idea of uh, attaining to a particular place um, in terms of the experience of it versus holding an office of a cert- of a particular level. Mm-hmm. And now I'm trying to figure out here um, when when things occur because we're gonna have um, some actual record of some actual uh, of some sort of visionary work that Akkad does, um, perhaps some visionary work or perhaps just breaks during some meditation sessions that are happening around this time. Uh, uh, he's saying, the actual experience of which I write, which is summed up in the word of my grade, took place in December of 1917. Uh, so that's a year after this event that he calls the initiation. Well, let's say six months, uh, you know, a I year and a bit. I think he calls it 18 months uh, because yeah. it's like June 22nd to, uh, to December. Yeah, so it's a little bit after um, what he says is is his initiation so this that's happening here is is not, I, I don't think, his abyss crossing experience, uh, unless I've really misread the last sort of chapter. But let's see where we can read from. Uh, yeah, well, here, first regarding the experience of that being we call uh, OIVVIO, there arose in his consciousness a state unlike the normal and which being and which be description might appear like madness the path of Aleph is madness since reason was destroyed and transcended the air became his balance the structure of his mind which hitherto had been built up along capitalistic lines was changed and the house of god as it were was destroyed by the lightning flash the opening of the eye of shiva um so it becomes very interesting i, I think this is where it's like that episode that he went through um, uh, seems to be at this time. Yeah, but then he says, at this time he walked, talked, and performed all physical actions in a normal way. Um, But all that took place wherever he went, whatever he said or heard, tasted or smelled, had value according to his mental state. So he doesn't think he's acting crazy. (laughs) He just feels But then again, who does when they're... (laughs) Yeah. Um, I know to you, I seem perfectly lucid, but I actually feel quite mad. (laughs) (laughs) I realize to you, I appear completely lucid. Yeah, that's something that, uh... (laughs) That's something normal people say. (laughs) Sound like, uh, the the Salvador Dali or something. (laughs) I realize to you, I must appear perfectly lucid. (laughs) But to me... Perfectly lucid. (laughs) I like that (laughs) enunciation. But within the mind of Dali, he actually feels quite mad. (laughs) All right. So, uh, uh, oh, and this is what you were pointing at before. Now, he's he's sort of talking about gradually, gradually a solar sort of consciousness uh, emerging in his mind. Uh, He feels as if he's been uh, uh, open to a gas and finally to a fire. And the aether, as before said, and which has become uh, an eccentric system, this seemed to terminate one part of the initiation. He's talking about walking around on glass and uh, seeing himself, seeing everything he's doing reflected as if like it's in a mirror and he's not sure what side of the glass he's on. Um, and, uh, and, and this culminates 
uh, um, uh, here he says, we, we must now consider him as going about with a mind transformed into a solar consciousness. This lasted all day, during which he underwent many adventures and seemed to perform much magic. But on the evening, the process continued under extraordinary circumstances to be recorded elsewhere. But it, but be it said that he was in a place which appeared to him like unto a temple of initiation, especially prepared in every detail for the ceremony, and around him were officers exactly carrying out their appointed parts. Yet he was unwittingly in prison, surrounded by the scum of the earth, of which he has written. Uh, and yeah, it never it never occurred to me to take that literally. I thought he just meant like he was on planet Earth, <laughs> and uh, um, and uh, and you know seeing uh, seeing the, the the machinery of the universe, the vision of the machinery of the universe, and everybody going about their appointed tasks, like you know looking down from the Empire State Building and seeing like humanity as an ant colony, and it all seems like mm-hmm. like perfectly mechanistic, but you know in in reality you know this is a, a a way station or a training ground or a high or like a spiritual high school then you die and move on to the next place <laughs> i thought he was sort of pointing at something kind of uh, um uh vedantic or something like that uh but but you're saying that he was literally in prison and literally surrounded <laughs> by the scum of the earth. <laughs> it would seem so it would appear so of which he has written when having become free thou findest thyself in prison yet knowest it not when thy prison of freedom appeareth unto thee as the open road when thou who hast longed for the company of the saints findeth thyself among the scum of the earth yet knowing it not thinkest thyself in the company of all the buddhas and take it thy place as the least of these in silence. When having sought and found gestures of magic power, thou findest thyself among the lewd and unclean, yet knowing it not, perceive in their common actions and supreme and perfect art of magic. Then, having sought for words of power, thou findest thyself in tune with the words of low men, knowing not that they speak aught but the highest truth. When having given all, thou art offered the cup of charity, yet thinking it to be the most abominable mixture of poison, thou drinketh it thankfully. When having rushed forward, thou findest thyself whirled backwards, yet knowing it not, thinkest thou art still. Then it may be, thou hast comprehended wherein sorrow is joy, change is stability, and selflessness is self. There's an interesting turn here about one, two, three, uh, four, five uh, stanzas down, uh, where in the first little bit he's saying, you know, he thinks this is wonderful, and then, but it, actually it's prison. He thinks it's. Uh, um, uh, and the prison appears as the open road, but still the illusion is. Um, the, the freedom is illusion and really he's confined, but then down here, um, it becomes when having sought words of power, thou findest thyself with words of low men, knowing not that they speak aught but the highest truth. So there's a, there's a second layer of of illusion that comes out where he thinks he's in a high place. Actually, he's in a low place. 
uh, and in that low place, people are trying to be vulgar, but what's coming out is, uh, is, is, has veiled beneath <laughs> it, you know, something pure. And so you, you're, you're, you're actually given a cup of charity and, and you are, are happy that you've been given poison and you drink it and try to kill yourself. <laughs> you're, you're grateful, but it's re it really is the cup of charity. So there's a double veil um that that uh, that starts to starts to pull up come up in the last third of this poem which uh vindicates it because um uh for most of the time it seems like the same the same turn is happening in each stanza it's the same thing uh, uh mm. repeated about four or five times and it starts to get uh you're you're hoping that it's going to kind of innovate and and when it finally does the innovation is it's not a different kind of turn. It's a it's a deepening of the original turn, which I found surprising. Hmm. Um, Is there anything you want to say at this point? Um, from the outside, looking at him, I'm sure at the time, oh, obviously it sounds like uh, people uh, understood him to be going through a mental break or to be faking a mental break in order to avoid the draft. Um, <laughs> that seems to be the... Uh, <laughs> the case but uh it's um clearly he's describing it from his point of view he was in this deep initiation and um the, everything he talks about in this paper like when he's talking about the experiences themselves there's not really uh it's not like it's in a um, he's not like in a specific controlled ceremonial situation he's not in uh like a meditative state per se like in, in the sense of being you know in a room isolated from the world and that sort of thing it's him in the world and going through these things as he's going through moving through life and that's what it seems to be we know that he can do disciplined practice because the master of the temple Mm -hmm. uh, uh, paper that's excerpt from his diaries shows examples of disciplined practice from him and he gets pretty good results from them and then the zealoter task that Crowley sets for him uh, Crowley says this is more difficult than the task I would usually set for people but this guy's really good so I want to yeah. give him something that that he will have to rise to and and so I kind of I kind of can't tell whether he's doing you know whether he's keeping resh, whether he's uh, doing his uh, composing himself to an hour or so of holy meditation each day after doing resh, and then describing the consequences of that experience, uh, you know, as he's out in the world, because one does start to feel quite loopy. I was doing all that Enochian stuff last year, and um, and uh, the attitude of my writing changed and the feeling of being you know in in conversation with other people changed sometimes when i've been doing radionics work the same thing has happened so i sort of take it to be that he's describing conscious processes that are inspired by magic but maybe he didn't do anything except take the oath of the abyss <laughs> and then just wander around, <laughs> you know? Be, uh... That's the thing that does ring true of like, I've had experiences like this where um, you're moving through life and you're, go you're undergoing these, these dramatic internal changes or these ex dramatic internal experiences. And even interacting with other people, like I've had situations where um, just at critical moments... There's a couple of points in time, you know, years apart from each other 
where uh, I remember this sort of wandering fool showing up, which is to say like somebody who basically comes off as just some crackpot who comes up to me in the street or, you know, uh, at work or something like that and rambling uh, nonsense, but they just hit on the nose with a few sentences that it's just like, wait a second, that's weird. <laughs> and so you just sort of have to, you know, take it as, uh, well, uh, I, maybe I can glean something from this, <laughs> but, uh, it, it, a lot of what he's talking about reminds me of some of these kinds of experiences as you're moving through life and feeling like you're undergoing something important. Whereas in like from an objective observer, it would be completely entirely trivial. The, um, uh, my stupidest example of this is uh, when my son was born. We were in the hospital for a very long time. What a stupid example. And every Sorry, every every sort of twelve hours, my wife sent me home to feed the cat for some uh. reason. And like <laughs> the nurse kept looking at me like I was the worst person on earth because I was like coming back from feeding the cat. She's like. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I have never in my whole life before seen a bearded lady. Uh, I mean, I'd, uh, you know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, trans people exist, but this is not the kind of thing that I mean. I mean, old, old women, by, by, you know, who, who've never, uh, done hormone therapy or anything with full beards, <laughs> Um, but on the, the, but during the day that my son was being born, going back and forth on the bus, I saw three consecutive bearded women. Really? Um, and, uh, you know, um, that's an important thing in, uh, in Macbeth, right? Is the three witches, each of them has beards. And then there's hmm. some fairy stories where, um, where a, a, a princess will be born and then they'll come and receive blessings from, from the mm -hmm. Fae. And so, you know, three consecutive Fae will show up and they'll each give a gift. And so I thought, I thought like, oh, this is just the craziest thing. And, uh, so, you know, I'm in the hospital for three, for three or four days, sort of sleepless. The birthing process isn't going well. I'm reading, uh, um, the genealogy of morals for some reason between <laughs> in, in whenever I have some downtime and then every time I get on a bus, there's another bearded, bearded woman. <laughs> and I felt that my child was being given gifts from the fairy, the fairy realm. <laughs> you anyway, know, I've better, I've, I've, I've better stories, but none so kind of, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, the, sort uh... of, sort of stupid and amusing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, you're right. He, even when he starts describing the kinds of visions he's experiencing, I imagine him, you know, at home in a meditative position, trying to get to silence and getting distracted by these visions of grandeur. But maybe this is just stuff he's happened. Maybe he's just high on methadone and just wandering <laughs> the streets. Who knows? Uh, uh, this annoys me so much here. Um, somewhere earlier in the paper, he says, which won't be set down fully in this place or... Oh, I hate when... Uh, uh, or, yeah. you know, it's like, it's not appropriate to set it down in this place or something. It's like, why not? You're yeah. the one writing. 
Like you make the decisions. <laughs> yeah. If you've never written about it before, more time will only <laughs> dill dumb the memory further. Just sit down and write about it in this place. He says only, uh, what did he say? Only on Sundays am I, he uses such a stupid yeah. word, uh, <laughs> impressed. Only on Sundays am I impressed to write a few fragments of what passes through my mind. It's like, don't wait, no, don't wait to be impressed. Like, don't <laughs> the spirit doesn't have to press you in to doing the journaling that you're supposed to be doing. You know, this. You I think cultivate self discipline. You know? Yeah, it's it's like that's the way that he comes off a lot of the time, and it may be an unfair assessment, but it's hard to tell. The way that he comes off is just so self important. I mean, just the fact that like. Uh, in QBL, uh, a book that he had written on the Kabbalah, he he ends up going into the appendix, which is like diary writings, where he starts flipping the paths around on the Tree of Life and that sort of thing. And that's something that uh, famously aggravated Crowley. But uh, it, just the fact that he goes into diary stuff so quickly and easily, and even here it feels a little bit self-indulgent, where it's like he could explain things, but it's just sort of... I don't know. It just comes off as very self-indulgent a lot of the time. Here's just a taste of kind of what I wanted to get to. It's a long paragraph, but I think if I read it, it'll it'll sort of sort of set me up for my hot take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and 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 Frater Oivivio remained there, silent and still, till at last all seemed perfect even on the mental plane, for suddenly the English language seemed to rush back to the beginning, and reversed as Hebrew which was written out the other way, and was given, and this was a great mystery. Then came the equilibrating of ideas. They rushed backwards and formulated themselves in the person of Adam, who appeared at in the room opposite O-I-V-V-I-O, and then the first man and the last gazed at each other, as it were, in a final struggle, and the minute point of light grew ever brighter and more dazzling and appeared concentrated upon the figure of Adam first on the shoulder, then moving a little until finally settled over one eye, and at this point Frater O-I-V-V-I-O gazed, and then all rushed back again through the animal creation, each animal dissolving into its earlier type, until at last, as a prototype appeared, the common fly only very large, perhaps six inches long, then things stopped. For a moment, as Frater O-I-V-V-I-O gazed at this, and then became the winged beetle, and then the scarab, and then the Egyptian crown, then only the point of light. And gradually he was able to bring this point nearer and nearer, until finally it neared his breast, and touching his breast, it was in his breast, and suddenly a new creation, and he reached out to the beginning and out to the old elements he had witnessed on the return to source, and from the new design the same material but in different words, words of wonder, who shall express the mystery in words, and this happened again and again, English, Hebrew, Greek, Egyptian, man, beast, bird, were rearranged and recreated in new relationship to each other. And so he understood the mystery of change, and how the world is created again and again, forever, new, yet forever the same. And the last word he realized, which was repeated in a certain way, seemed to bring about these changes again and again, as it were, alternating between nothingness and creation, was Al, and there was a certain gesture, not unlike the sign of the cross, which was connected with this miracle. And this, just in this one paragraph, he said, and I was silent and still about about four times, mm-hmm. and then each time... 
immediately it explodes into some other sort of uh, expansive cycling vision. And it feels like the material he's getting is like, it, it, it's, not, uh, it's not worthless. But if you look at the way Crowley's fight with the demon sea goes and the, uh, uh, um, the idea is that the abyss keeps firing ideas at you and you have to, you have to try to avoid them, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and in order to, to really settle in to the, to, to the grade of eight, three and become a master of the temple, you have to, you have to be able to realize that chasing these thoughts is not a productive activity. You know, you've, com you've completely understood, uh, logical principles, reasonable principles, uh, you, you've science, you understand how to cut up the wor world according to, to categories, but then to reconcile and become a master of the temple, what you need to do is, is become sort of transrational and exist in a, a, a sort of non-thinking state, which is what the Kabbalists call understanding in, in scare quotes. Um, mm. uh, and this is why one of the titles of the master of the temple is the master of Samadhi, because you need to be able to go to this, this silent place and stay there for quite a long time. Uh, and one imagines that, that really, if someone were a master of the, uh, of, of Samadhi, they'd be able to make Samadhi on all sorts of different objects fairly easily. Uh, and, uh, the way Crowley talks about in, uh, the book of light, life, love, and liberty, how, you know, you make Samadhi on death, you make Samadhi on sex, you make mm -hmm. and, and, uh, sort of destroy yourself gradually piece by piece in this way. And, um, uh, what Frater Achad here sees as the mystery of change, and he he takes this to mean that he's a he's a nine two. Um, uh, now this is this is eighteen months after the 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 initiation that made him claim master of the temple, but he's still he's still doing it, and and it would be nice to see that record to verify because this looks like um looks like a failed attempt to cross mm. the abyss this looks like uh uh my hot take is is that just based on this paper you know without any uh, recognizing that i have to find some diaries if they were existent just based on this paper achad looks like a black brother <laughs> that he's tried to cross the abyss but been fed all these little threads of information that he thinks are useful and given up in favor of uh, of of chasing the what seems like information that the demon sea is feeding him mm -hmm. and this is why he can't uh he, he he doesn't have the discipline to focus on any one idea you know crowley says what's the mystery of sorrow and he he keeps obsessing over the mystery of change and so he's told to write this pamphlet on the mystery of change and instead of doing that he does this nonsense <laughs> which will later but and the the only thing that makes me question that is that good fruit comes out of it right like mm -hmm. he does he's a talented kabbalist and when we get to the next section of this he'll be doing kabbalah very well um um so and crowley says crowley acknowledges his his eight three and so i but and I, that's I have where you to... can make that argument about like is was crowley overlooking what was going on in order to you know because he had his own desires of what he wanted to see out of this but the know? idea but then you know the 
the black brother that becomes immortal and has can do all sorts of of magic we're called this illusion but like eventually destroys himself you know no, you know like not really destroys himself but to, but like dissolves because they can't they can't grab anything somehow mm-hmm. anyway there's a weird way in which which Akkad's biography sort of seems to suggest that yeah i get the sense that uh, i've always uh, gotten the sense that you know when you when you get to Tifereth, when you get beyond Tifereth, uh, there seems to me to be a danger of the ego being very much a threat and an increasing threat going forward. Um, because you'll have that sense of accomplishment to feel like, you know, there's always that danger of the sense of accomplishment, thinking, uh, well, I've done that. Now I'm, you know, you just basically, your ego can sneak up on you. Well, before Tefereth, the arrow's very ego's important mm-hmm. uh, because um, we want to strengthen our self identity and really know who who we are, so that we can then uh, uh, so that we can then be in relationship with the angel, right? The 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 naive rationalist position of kind of like self not self dualism. By the time we get to Tefereth. All that not-self is represented in the form of our holy guardian angel. And so we need to be strong to have a relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we stay strong all the way up through the grades of, um, of, of our adepthood. And then when we renounce our adepthood, you know, the, and, and, and try, to, um, try to accomplish that ego death crossing the abyss, you know, we spend all this time reinforcing like discovering the self, learning the self, reinforcing the self so that we can become strong enough to cross the abyss. But crossing the abyss is, is just the experience of abandoning all that work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're uh, holding on to even so much as just the smallest. Uh, yeah. And if you seal up, dust. yeah, you seal up one drop of blood in the body, everything goes to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, Maybe, maybe Achad did cross, you know, maybe Achad was a master of the temple for one day, you know, and yeah, thought like, a vision of that and thought like, blood and thought like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> literally anything but this, yeah. I can't not exist. Uh, that's just, you know, but I'm, you know, I, I, uh, that's, that, I don't know, that's a pretty hot take mm-hmm. and I don't know how hard I stand behind it, especially now that I think we've through conversation pinned down the date of this to be this type of experience to being 18 months later mm-hmm. than his initial um than his initial crossing uh it's okay to start having thoughts of magus thoughts 18 months after your master of the temple of ex- experience the only thing that makes me a little cautious is he says he started having them the very next day so yeah. <laughs> you don't know it does seem a little bit like, well, you know, you get, like I mentioned, I feel like, you know, you get up there, and this is pure speculation, of course, but uh, uh, you get up there, maybe you do get a lot of uh, sudden insight into the full supernal triad. Sure. I mean, this is a, when you, um, I mean, I've had the had the experience, not in the AA, but in some initiatory orders of getting uh, as far as like 2-9, and the fact that you now have an unobstructed view of Tefereth means something for your interpretation of the of, mm-hmm. of the system. So um, uh, it seems like it's not totally off base for Akkad to be having this information. Like yeah. as he says, 
I understand, and he probably doesn't, but he says, I understand now the grade of Ipsissimus, but understanding is appropriate to the master of the temple, so I don't claim uh, that I am Ipsissimus. Of course, if I did, that wouldn't be anybody's business anyway. (laughs) 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 Fucking monster. (laughs) Um, I do like, incidentally, just as an unrelated aside... Uh, the fact that we have this L and low uh, is almost like uh, zero and one. It's like the universe is binary. Yeah. Know? That's kind of a fun uh, conception as well. And I always find that, uh, you know, when you're trying to understand the underlying, you know, everything that underlies existence, it seems to ride that line where it could go either way. Could be, well, there could be nothing. Could be god but it never quite shows its hand um getting down into the next section uh which begins monday to through tuesday october 17th and as october 7th and 8th um we have him starting to use his new keyword loel uh to uh interpret verses of liber l and uh this is very good uh, so I wonder if it's if it's worthwhile just skipping to that so we could have mm-hmm. the meat. So he starts to relate Hadith to El, God, and uh, Lo would be Nuit, nothing. So, well, yes. chapter 1, verse 45, the perfect and perfect are one perfect and not two, nay, are none. He says, here I think Nuit and Hadith are referred to as the perfect for this is claimed by Hadith, see chapter 2, verse 15. If Nuit be considered as low and Hadith as ill, uh, this is at once clear, for they are one and yet none. Um, it seems pretty basic to us, maybe, but if you were just reading for the first time, the perfect and, uh, and perfect are one perfect and not two, nay are none. Um, perfect and the perfect are one perfect is not too opaque, but nay are none just seems is very confusing. But mm-hmm. uh, again, we're talking about reconciling these pairs of opposites into oblivion to create perfection. And this is, a, um, you know, if, if these are some of the first places that uh, these insights are starting to happen, it's, it's really cool. It's like a real, it is a real result. Yeah, I like the, uh, where in verse 21, where with the God and the adorer, I am nothing. They do not see me. They are as upon the earth. I am heaven, and there is no other God than me and my Lord Hadith. And uh, um, that also brings to mind so one of the, the things he points out at some point that I think we've skipped over at this point, uh, which is the idea that uh, Chesed is also attributed to the God name El in um, the Queen scale, I think. Oh, okay. Or, or in the... Uh, um, Bria, the Briatic world. And so that is also, Chesed is is what all races of men call the first. Meaning, essentially, it's like the God and the Adorer. They do not see me, for I am heaven beyond that point of Chesed, up in the supernals or even above the supernals. So... Yeah, and his interpretation of this verse is now, if Hadith equals L equals God, then with him is Nuit, Lo, nothing. Also, this is so with the adorer, unless he concentrates on Hadith as the center is instructed. 
Uh, yet this is also true, that there is no other God than me and my Lord Hadith. For looked at one way, God is Nuit, and the other is Hadith. Um, so um, they're, they're playing these dual roles and can sort of switch into each other. There's maybe even something about the mystery of sex uh, coming in here uh, unspoken. And yeah, God, uh, Hadith being uh, who hath uh, worshipped, who Krat has hath worshipped the name, for I am the worshipper. Uh, so he is that ubiquitous point of view. Oh, this is cute. Uh, chapter 1, verse 40, note, three grades. Uh, so um, he who calls us Thelemites will do no wrong if he look but close into the word. Uh, for therein there are three grades, the hermit, the lover, and the man of earth. And here he says the three grades. Uh, Since making this note, I've had the opportunity of looking at the equinox for a moment and discovered that in volume 7 comment, the tarot keys of the three grades add to 31, uh, the hermit, the lover, and the man of earth. Um, I'm not going to do mental math right now, but he says they add to 31, and I believe him, which I consider as a further proof, proof that his own number is the correct key to the book. I may remark that I have been placed where I have no books. Uh-oh. So maybe this is what you're talking about. Yeah, this I is the thing that I was referring to that I was looking up and couldn't find exactly. Or I couldn't decide exactly what he was referring to if it was in number seven. So this would be uh, October 7th and 8th. Anyway, uh, I may remark that I have been placed... Not that he is somewhere without his books because he sold them and you know <laughs> did whatever, but that I have been placed where there, uh, where I had no books uh, for reference, and am therefore fitting all these notes entirely from memory of my experience, which seems to make certain things clearer from day to day as I apply my attention to different aspects of the work. Well, at least he's got pen and paper in the nut house. Yeah, well, you'd want the crazies to do some journaling. <laughs> he's supposed to be drawing pictures with crayons, but uh, he's <laughs> journaling instead. Oh, here I wrote it down. Uh, verse 220, I am uplifted, it says. Uh, that's what I That's what I had for that. So what is, uh, where is I am uplifted? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so... Uh, I think, if my math was right last night, that verse uh, 122, which would be uh, um, 61 times 2, should be, I am uplifted in thine heart, and the kisses of the stars rain hard upon thy body. That would um, be appropriate. Um, Going with our, uh, the cobs is in the coo, not the coo in the cobs. Mm-hmm. Let's take this verse again. 61, the Jews call it, I call it 880, 418, but they have the half, uh, twice is 62. Uh, therefore, Allah, uh, 62, which is 6 plus 2, equals 8, equals Cheth, equals 418, equals Parseval, equals the Fool, equals Aleph, equals 1 or none, and thus all disappear in 1. Uh, also, since Allah becomes a all has disappeared. Um, uh, again, it is written, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God, uh, Al-Loel, uh, which again indicates the secret, I think, and I think Loel in this form is a secret name or word of Rahorquit. See chapter 349, I am in a secret fourfold world, which is a word which is a blasphemy against all gods of men. 
Uh, also, whereas Nguyen and Hadith are ever united, the division becomes manifest in Rahorquit, for as he says in chapter 3, verse 2, there is division hither homeward, there is a word not known. And I think there's a different sort of uh, standard interpretation of what the secret fourfold word means, but I really like this, because a blasphemy against all gods and men, uh, no well, God. no god, is just <laughs> yeah. like very, you know, if you want to talk about an elegant solution... That's yeah. <laughs> very, very direct. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were you going to say? Um, what was I going to say? I think I was just going to point out the fact that uh, he says, um, uh, and I think low L in this form is the secret name or word of Rahurquit. He's got Hur in capitals because it's H-O-O-R. Sort of mirroring, I think, I think this is what he's getting at, sort of mirroring the L-A-A-L. Oh, so we have a double vowel amidst two consonants. So what would that be? That would be uh, ayin, ayin, resh, uh, hey. So uh, 70 times 2 is 140, uh, um, uh, plus 200 is 345. Hmm. Not, nothing jumping out at me. Well, it oh, makes well, me three, think of... Oh, uh, four, or five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, um, from the D stuff. Mm -hmm. There's uh, the vision of uh, the uh, four palaces, and there's uh, groups coming out of each of the palaces, and there's a, a big to-do made out of the numbers three, four, and five. Um, I think there's a lot of importance to those numbers and their permutations and whatnot. So. Mm -hmm. And earlier he does do something where uh, um, 31 uh, divided um, becomes a point, you know, uh, if you divide one by three, it becomes point three 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 repeating, mm -hmm. which shows how, which shows why uh, Kabbalistically the de the demon C whose number is three three three. Uh, you know, how that, that is sort of like a byproduct of creation. There needs to be a mm -hmm. demon in the abyss. Um, we can also understand it epistemologically because, you know, in order to have a creation at all, you need stuff and then chasing the stuff, you know, it mm -hmm. complicates the mind in a way that's unuseful for spiritual attainment. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so, but, but having that, having that number show that result just is evidence that that number is useful. It's nice seeing, uh, seeing gematria used for what gematria is supposed to be used for. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many people go on these tangents, yeah. uh, um, these, these sort of what I would think, like meaningless tangents, but gematria is a tool for scriptural interpretation. You know, you're supposed to look mm -hmm. at the Tanakh and, the, uh, and, 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 uh, connect verses using numbers, and so he's a, he's actually doing it, doing yeah. the activity of of gematria correctly here. Not using an online gematria calculator. Don't, <laughs> Which don't is how I that. do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, actually, that's one of the things that, uh, just as an aside, that I think is kind of important. I do think it's important to be getting in the habit of doing your gematria in your head uh, or working it out yourself. Um, I'm putting together the Enochian stuff, and uh, in doing so, one of the things that I'm doing is having to work out all the proportions for things to try and, you know, get the sigillum, the stars 
correct the the shapes and whatnot and uh same thing with the holy table getting just getting everything in in proper proportion and that's tricky well at least for me anyway i'm not like you know uh skilled at uh mathematics and geometry and all that sort Mm -hmm. of thing but the exercise of doing those things causes me to have to problem solve and not only that but i find it really internalizes so much of the geometry and the mathematics and stuff and you've got it ringing out in your head while you're trying to get to sleep and (laughs) that sort of thing so i think there's a um i don't think laziness is useful basically and I think there's a lot to be gained from, uh, you know, doing the work, like in, in in that way as much as in any other way, you know? Well, I mean, if, if you can start, if you can know the uh, values and a little bit of basic addition, uh, you know, if you can do a, a simple mental arithmetic, it certainly helps you when you're doing visionary work, especially if you don't have a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you have a, if you have a scryer who can give you a word and then you you can quickly write it down and do some paper math without breaking the scryer's flow but i've only ever worked by myself and so um uh i'll have to verify a spirit in my head you know get mm. a get a sa- get some sounds uh transcribe those sounds into into hebrew characters uh translate those hebrew characters into numbers add up the numbers and see if the number makes sense to me know enough of my correspondences to go oh that does or doesn't fit with this uh the working that i'm trying to do and then of course later on i'll verify it and correct my mistakes for my diary and often when i correct my mistakes it explains things that i didn't understand in the vision uh but if but if you can be dexterous enough to do that which isn't it takes longer to explain than it takes to do like like mental or like just mental arithmetic is hard for some people but adding up a string of digits is something that people should be able to it's also a muscle you know it's like there's that exercise that crowley describes in magic without tears where you basically are going along the street and you're looking at red bricks and red is mars and Mm -hmm. you know doing all the correspondences and that sort of thing and you can do the same thing with numbers as well but back to the paper uh Chapter 2, verse 15. For I am perfect being not, and my number is nine by the fools, but with the just I am eight and one and eight, which is vital, for I am none indeed. Hadith here clearly says he is not, or being not, a combination of wheat and Hadith as the perfect and the perfect, which it be remembered are one, nay, none. We have considered his particular aspect as L, or rather lo, rather than low, but the previous verse indicates a blind. He is the shrine veiled by naught, for all for L is the manifestation of low, and low is the hiding of L. See the first uh, verses of chapters one and two. Uh, had the manifestation of Nuit. Uh, knew knew the hiding of Hadith. Uh, He is eight with the just because they consider the balance of things and so consider him as uh, as L low, which again gives us 62 equals 8 equals Hech equals 418 equals the fool equals LF equals none, (laughs) as explained before in the answer to the riddle of Nuit. This one shows he is one LF in eight and also none quite clearly. Um, it's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's that little, he, uh, 
he is eight with the just because they consider the balance of things. Uh, you can easily pass by that without registering the fact, okay, the, the just balance of things, we're talking about the justice card, which is eight in the tarot as well. Oh, I see. So that's where he's he's doing that. Like he's speeding through all this stuff mm-hmm. and it's, it's not holding your hand at, at all. So I can see where, you know, trying to read through this paper would be, you're not necessarily going to get everything on the first pass, you know? It's not designed that way. Now Uh comes the striking indication of an underlying formula in this book, which can be read in two ways, and the very same word is used to express this, only in the English instead of the Hebrew, which, of course, throws one off the scent of the mystery. And he refers to uh, your favorite line. Is a god to live in a dog? No, but the highest are of us. Now, in English, god is dog if reversed, but the Hebrew for god is L, which reversed gives low, which is not. One can hardly get away from the hint of the true nature of the key once it is pointed out, especially since it is followed by the negative no, another translation of low, and a statement that the highest, or those who comprehend this mystery, are of us. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... It's another one of those cases that seems so obvious now when we have this stuff all in front of us. But at the time, it's like, I mean, as soon as it's pointed out, it's completely obvious. I'm just looking to see what the Hebrew for dog is. Yeah, I think I remember looking this up and not really getting too much interesting out of it. But uh, Chelev. Chelev. Uh, so um, uh, Kaf, which is uh, 20... Um, Lamad, which is 30, and Bith, which is 2. 52. So it'd be 52. Well, you know, that uh, you add that together, you get 7. Uh, if you take God, I found this interesting. It's like uh, the G, Gimel, would be 3, and the D, Daleth, would be 4, so you'd get 7 from that. And then with the O, you could take it as either Vau or uh, Oyen. And so with Oyen, it ends up being 77 altogether, which is interesting because it's also, you know, Oyen is the devil card, which is attributed to Capricorn, and uh, 77 is Ez in Hebrew, which is a goat. That's kind of fun. That is fun. Uh, and I'm, then the Vav would be a the Hierophant, incidentally. So I'm kicking myself here because I feel like I'm missing something fairly obvious with that 52. It struck me as important, and I don't I don't remember it. But if I just use this online gematria calculator, <laughs> which uh, you advised me against, 52 uh, looks like it's the word uh, image uh, in hmm. he, uh, in Hebrew gematria. That'd be uh, super interesting if it's true because I who am but the uh, image image of an image yeah. say this or something and uh, the reflection aspect again yeah be not cont- oh be not content with an image I who am so the image God does image. not live in a dog <laughs> God does not live in a dog <laughs> there you go I yeah. who am but the image of an image say this uh, man I hope I hope that's not some weird uh, yeah. suffix or something that makes it very idiosyncratic. <laughs> um, but because uh, that is kind of fun. Uh, look here, uh, this pisses me off. Uh, chapter three, verse seven. Are you seven. quoting him right now? Or yeah. <laughs> look here, this pisses me off. Uh, verse uh, 76 of the third chapter, 
uh, Achad says, I don't make this out yet, but it seems to indicate that it will not come till later, after the prophet's time. Anyway, El, El appears twice among the letters. Oh, that's the second chapter that's you the, mean to say, yeah. Oh, the second chapter, yeah. So that, this is the long cipher, which uh, Crowley specifically says, Achad's keys. <laughs> and Achad says he doesn't make it out. I, we're just never going to... Uh, find the paper where it says what that means. Yeah. This is our fourth try to find the paper where it says what that means. <laughs> I mean, thou shalt <laughs> never know. People on the internet think they know. Yeah. <laughs> where the hell are they getting it from? I should ask the internet. Oh, I've heard so many uh, takes on this. In fact, uh, well, I've seen one person was saying uh, that it was... Uh, um, Thou shalt never know means that there's actually nothing to solve or there was a dismissive kind of, you know, approach to it. Um, That's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that's the thing. You can take whatever stance you want. And certainly people on the Internet like to uh, state the facts and move on without any explanation or anything like that. They just assume that they're right. But... Anyway, let's continue uh, stating the facts here, and uh, (laughs) then we'll move on and assume that we're right. The half of the word of Heru-Raha probably indicates some mystery in this division as indicated in verse 2. This is in uh, uh, chapter 3 at this point. And uh, that's the division hither homeward that he's referring Mm. to indicated in verse 2. I think thus far he has been low, meaning Rahur Kuit in this case. For in verse 35, we have him worshipped as El, or God. So, I mean, it's a little hard to unpack that and get anything clear on that, but he's saying like there's reference to unity, uttermost showed the might of thy breath and that sort of thing, uh, as somehow unity meaning being important and breath being important, um, uh, and uttermost. So it's a little unclear what he's getting at there, but I guess he's, he's not going for clarity. He's going for just making notes. Well, I think what he means is that if you break, is that this chapter has two sections and before verse 35, you're dealing with the low aspect of Heruraha, and then starting in verse 35, you're through to the end of the chapter, you're dealing with the ale aspect of Heruraha. And so we'd have to reread the chapter thinking of that to know whether or not we thought mm-hmm. that was a valuable interpretation. Um, and even, you know, what you would get out of that interpretation, I'm a I'm unclear of, on at this point, right? Yeah, I think there was something else in here that was uh, referring to um, we have a return of the dog with uh, damned for a dog. Enough of because be he damned for a dog, the reverse of God again in its wrong aspect. Well, that's not bad because this is what we were talking about in terms of crossing the abyss, right? Mm-hmm. Down here in the material world, we can do all these becauses and uh, and and all the enlightenment stuff about you know rediscovering uh, Aristotelian logical principles and and uh, and and the idea that reason will solve all our all our problems. There's there's validity to that in the material world, but as soon as you uh, but if you try to cross the abyss using those logical tools, um, then uh, then then you fail to understand reality as you as you approach it, um, uh, and so uh, so you know whether it's right or not. There's, an, there's it's, it's interesting because um, the idea of a of 
of a dog being a, f a sort of failed god or reversed god and not god. So you have low in the eye and sof, obviously, but maybe you also have a low hmm. this side of the the abyss where because is because is also uh, because is also sort of a type of not um, with the 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 god being in the middle between mm. the abyss and the and yeah the i was watching creation. or yeah i was listening to a podcast uh on a, from a mathematician scientist uh talking about uh um this idea that uh everything that our like whether or not our brains are capable of comprehending any kind of truth or uh, being able to sense any kind of truth like anything that we sense uh, which is not very groundbreaking from our perspective, uh, from a spiritual perspective, because that's a very common, you know, uh, truism. But it's uh, like from his, from what he's talking about is uh, the idea that uh, uh, all of our consciousness would be uh, evolutionarily based on survival and that sort of thing. And uh, the odds uh, mathematically of of them actually giving us any actual sense of truth are exactly zero according to the math that <laughs> they've been doing. So uh, the idea being that uh, if we, you know, like we're going to come up against a wall at some point and we're pretty, I think his theory is that we're pretty much coming up against it pretty, pretty much, uh, you know, presently um, in, in terms of like how far, how much farther we can push because we're, only looking at things based on the way that our consciousness works. And so being able to look beyond that and recognize that space-time is only a product of our consciousness, and if we look at things outside of space-time, then other things start to make more sense and add up. Uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, subject that aligns with... Uh, some of what we're talking about here. My brother was studying pure math for a while at, uh, I think, of Waterloo. There aren't very many places that offer pure math. It's kind of a difficult subject. But I showed him some of the equations in the paper Bereshit, uh, not, a mm. note on, not a note on Genesis, but a, a, a note, note in on ontology. ontology. Um, and, Everybody uh, together now. Not only, not only did he say, this is nonsense, <laughs> <laughs> but he was offended at the idea that anything in metaphysics could be used to describe uh, um, material, like things about the material world, mm -hmm. um, which is weird because that's sort of what mathematics is for. We derive mathematics from understanding of the material world. Like if we have two oranges, then we get to the idea of two-ness. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, Kant talks about this, the idea that it's like a synthetic, uh, um, yeah, it was a, a priori. It was a very uh, Kantian thing of him yeah. to say to say that the, you know, metaphysics doesn't actually approach the reality of things, um, and so for Crowley to have these mathematical equations that proved nothing inevitably became becomes infinite creation or something or or mm. finite creation, uh, it, it just it, it like offended Stephen to say that like <laughs> uh, anything metaphysical. Uh, vis-a-vis -vis pure math 
mm-hmm. uh, could be an explanation for fundamental things about our reality. He just thought that was nuts and borderline, <laughs> borderline <laughs> offensive, <laughs> so I just, uh, which just kind of blew my mind. Um, and at the time I didn't, I now get it, but at the time I didn't realize how, how mathematics counted as a, as a sort of metaphysics, but it is, it's a, um, a, a layer of interpretation you put over all of reality. So other things kind of fall. Yeah. Out of it. It's, I mean, that's a whole other subject, but I mean, I've, I've listened to people try to explain how the world, the universe actually is math is based on math and it's like trying to make a one-to-one comparison and i can't wrap my head around how they can do that aside from just buying into their own conceptions of things but uh that's kind of a whole different tangent and it's a little bit yeah maybe (laughs) maybe for later yeah uh uh chapter two verse uh 26 yeah one convoluted mess at a time (laughs) (laughs) i am the secret serpent wisdom of the world coiled about to spring if i lift up my head i and my nuit are one if i droop down my head and shoot forth venom there is rapture of the earth and i and my earth are one uh and Achad says gives another proof of the particular peculiar dual aspect of the world it will be noticed that nuit has said that the god and the adorer are upon the earth as god hadith is one with the earth and as not and he is one with nuit also hadith is called her secret center and the world and her heart and her tongue and the house or home of hadith makes the spoken word possible um so uh, the thing that I wanted to say about this, right, is that um, there's a section in Genesis, in, in Barashit, where it, it, one of the punishments for the woman and the serpent before they're is that the uh, woman will always wound the serpent on the head as the serpent will always wound the woman on the heel. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, but the in the original Hebrew, it's a little bit ambiguous. So you might just as easily translate it as the serpent will wound the woman on the head and the woman will wound the serpent on the heel, which is weird because the serpent's just had its legs taken away, so it can't reach the head and has no heel. Um, but then later in, um, in the Revelation, uh, the dragon is called that old snake, uh, relating him to the... And uh, this thing about um, droop down my head and shoot forth venom. Uh, Mary falls from heaven pregnant with Jesus. She runs into the wood. The dragon falls from heaven and chases her and lowers down his head and shoots forth venom. There's an earthquake. The earth opens opens up to receive the venom and protect the baby Jesus as as he's being born. Uh, So all the venom that was intended to go to Mary and Jesus falls into the earth. I guess impregnating it because that's fairly shortly before the um, uh, the the false is it the false prophet that rises from the sea. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's there's um, uh, there's complicated biblical things going on here, uh, and Echad says gives us uh, another proof of the peculiar jewel aspect of the world. It will be noticed that Nuit has said that God and the adorer are upon the earth. God and the adorer are upon the earth. I, oh, yeah, Mary and Christ have fallen, mm-hmm. have just fallen to earth. Uh, 
uh, as God hadith is one with the earth uh, as not and he uh, he is one with Nuit uh, also hadith has called her secret center the world and her heart and tongue the house or home of hadith makes this spoken world possible so this sort of uh, the the churning image of of uh, the relationship between between you know lo and l and the 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 pregnant earth and the you know that that's uh, leading creation towards its kind of final dramatic climax uh, which also includes a, a venom-spitting serpent, uh, mm-hmm. you know, erotically. It's uh, yeah, and, and there's a and and that erotic insemination of the earth takes place during the second birth of 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 Christ. <laughs> uh, and there's it's, it's, it's this whole wow. fuck ton going on. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he also relates that whole image of uh, Hadith, the serpent, the head. If I lift up my head, I and my and my nuit are one. Uh, you could picture the sn- the serpent head kind of being around the abyss, where it's crossing up to uh, nuit and then drooping down to the earth, and the venom pouring out is all the bullshit that we uh, distract ourselves <laughs> with, <laughs> that we call consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> consciousness <laughs> so we so far in the last in the last uh year we've had Malkuth, we've met Malkuth, all of creation as a dingleberry on the ass of god <laughs> and now and now we have all of you with consciousness as the bullshit we distract ourselves with <laughs> i i am not sure that we are uh um you know uh, going forth conquering and to conquer like the <laughs> um like the first horseman in the way we should be i think maybe we're uh secret buddhists trying to destroy ourselves <laughs> a lot of nihilism on this podcast this month yeah fair enough <laughs> uh let's move on there's an there's a cup there's two epilogues here um one that takes place on Friday, October 11th, and one that takes place on the October 16th. So um, I'm just going to read an excerpt from the first of these epilogues. I spent last last evening with Therion. During our conversation, he said that he thought Nuit and Hedit were best expressed as matter in motion. He also said that all things must be considered as zero and two, as if one were arrived at, there was no getting away from it. I pointed out that there must be some formula combining zero and one, or the tree of life could never have been conceived of as formulated. He admitted this, but said so far he has failed at such. And so I think this is the kind of inception of Loshtal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that Crowley's zero equals two, zero equals two, zero equals two can never get back to one he sort of thinks monism is 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 unworkable there's either nothing or two things there's no there's no yeah man it's all (laughs) you know matter is one of course there's no that sort of stuff but uh achad convinces him that there needs to be some transitionary principle he describes it as uh, a formula combining zero and one so that the tree of life can get incepted and uh, so the all the stuff we did last month about uh, SH, uh, or sorry, SHT is, is coming. Mm-hmm. When I got to bed, I could not sleep. And a number of other things connected with this mystery came to me. 
One was the significance of the fact that when A.C. first got in touch with the brothers of the A.A., the password was, There is no God. This seems to confirm the word as the central secret of A.A., A.A. who also gives out the new law. Um, thought it was important to read that since you'd read the other thing mm -hmm. before the break. Um, there's this section about why... A followed by L and not A followed by um, Tav. Um, and it's because... Um, saying the word Aleph, the first word, mm -hmm. or the first letter of the uh, Hebrew alphabet, in saying that first, you've already got A-L right there. And then uh, with the uh, addition of the pay, shows the necessity of uh, sort of destruction and change. Again... And the use of the mouth for speech, because it's a mouth. Mm -hmm. Again, this this remember that this uh, that that this whole piece uh, that's sort of uh, biographical it was written in response to Crowley's request for a short pamphlet on the mystery of change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, one wonders if Crowley was perhaps testing God <laughs> to see if he actually. It's like, well, if you think you're a nine a nine two, can I please have a short pamphlet on the mystery of change? And Achad responded by just. <laughs> Uh, vomiting. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. And then the second epilogue I actually don't want to do because I don't understand it. <laughs> uh, because it's this whole thing. Uh, there's uh, uh, Tav is, is the Tau cross. Yod is the center and essence. Uh, Beth is the magician. Pei mm. is the flash. Uh, but it, I don't understand to what end. I don't know where he's getting these letters from. <laughs> yeah, he's just putting these letters together to describe the vision that he had where it was like retracting to the beginning of the universe mm -hmm. and then expanding back out with a new creation. And I think what he's trying to get at is that this is like uh, an ongoing process of annihilation and recreation. But uh, it's, it's really intensely meaningful to him, uh, it, but it's... I mean, this is the nature of the paper in general, I suppose. Mm -hmm. It's like you take what meaning you can from it in a lot of ways. Aside from some of the obvious um, code cracking that's been going on. Yeah, so if, you know, if you're, if you're being a historian, uh, you, you need to, to have looked at this and then... And then seeing, okay, well, this there, there's other documents being pointed at. Let's discover, let's see if the, the diary entries uh, from uh, 1916 are still exited. Let's see if any of this correspondence where Crowley says, you know, uh, uh, thou knowest your key opens the palace or the other correspondence around Achad uh, uh, being... A um, uh, being accepted as a master of a temple and a magical child for Crowley. See what other documentation continues to exist, so that we can flesh out this story a little more. Mm -hmm. um, but the the kind of uh, uh, work that we've been doing in the last three months, you know, as as amateurs, you know, <laughs> as uh, as uh, I guess I guess amateur historians of Thelema at this point, but kind of accidentally by virtue of doing this podcast <laughs> that we've been doing. Um, uh, how long it takes to draw any kind of conclusion and how, uh, and the, the degree to which you need to show your work by digging into 
the source material that exists and trying to figure out um, what it means. You know, and, and we've been going very surfaced. This is all published stuff. You could try to find letters. You could talk to surviving relatives. You could talk to the OTO and see if you could get in their ar- archives. Um, uh, a, a not amateur historian could do so much more. So just uh, when you're reading, uh, you know, introductions to newly published Crowley works by people who are supposed to be academics and they just say things, Mm -hmm. you know, if I say something three times, it's the truth. I don't need any sources at all. (laughs) You know, compare this to the act, compare the work of the real, in scare quotes, academics working on uh, on on Thelema to the actual work of history that you and I are accidentally doing on this podcast and see whether or not you 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 can buy any of it. Yeah, I think the you can you can always tell when somebody just states this is the way things went or this is the information we have. I think it's obvious that this is the way things went. Uh, and where there's just a very clear agenda happening, and it's not always easy to sense what that is, but uh, it's you put that against something where okay, we can at least leave it open to interpretation and recognize that we're we're going to have colored. We're gonna look at Ahad as uh, you know the uh, the other side if we're siding with Crowley. You know, that's going to color mm-hmm. our interpretation of this text. It's going to inter- color our interpretation of anything that we're um, approaching of Ahad. And uh, so if we can recognize that and be honest about it, then we have a better chance of approaching it a little bit more cleanly, where we can at least look at it from a couple of different angles. This actually made me much more sympathetic to him than I initially was. Mm-hmm. I mean, the um, the... I, I thought that I was going to be getting sick of doing this Gamatria stuff because we've done it about three months in a row now. Um, but I'm actually enjoying chasing the development of this story of the script of the interpretation mm-hmm. of our scripture and um, the way the the profundity of what Ahad's able to give Crowley in terms of scriptural interpretation. Like I just kind of thought, it was going to be maybe the solution to one cipher or, you know, some little clue that, but, uh, um, but it really does seem to open up the whole book in terms of like, you know, where it fits on the tree of life. Now, what you can derive from that in terms of practice, like what that means for your meditation practice, what that means for your, uh, moral code, what that means for, uh, you know, political and philosophical interpretation, uh, I still have to do more thinking about it before I decide whether that's really as profound as it seems like it is. But the fact that the numbers plug in in as many places as they seem to is really cool. I think that's completely the the issue at hand, too, is that, yeah, you can have these startling revelations, but then what? What's the meaning? What use is it? You know, Mm -hmm. that is the next step. So... Um, I mean, just going back to the idea of having like crazy shit happening to you in your life and, and, uh, taking it as an initiation and all this sort of thing. Okay. Wonderful. Then what? It seems like the main point for Ahad is one, the proof that I'm your magical child Two, 
um, if I'm having these insights appropriate to Kether, doesn't mean doesn't that mean I'm a ten one? <laughs> and so he's just trying to evidence his own attainment rather than to say something we can take away from in terms of an understanding uh, of the book. Even though he's saying he's laying out the mystery of change for those that come after. That's just proof that he's the Buddha of compassion. It doesn't actually help those that come after. <laughs> <laughs> um, or maybe uh, uh, because, uh, um, well, do we already have better stuff than Crowley? Maybe the stuff Crowley write, write, writes about this stuff comes later than 19, uh, 1918. Yeah, you I know? mean, a lot Crowley's of the stuff Crowley's most was... lucid stuff about, yeah. about meditation and, and uh, I mean, even though he already has zero equals two, maybe the, maybe Lieber LLL that we read is later than this. And... Well, the Chefalu period is where a lot of his commentaries were being written and a lot of his ideas were being crystallized. And it seems yeah. like he's in communication with Akkad through. Mm. Uh, uh, that's had a huge influence er, early on. just before and then through some of the Kefalu period so. yeah so uh, so it has had a huge impact and it's easy to overlook that impact just by virtue of the fact that it's become so ingrained in uh, in the body of work so I can't decide what to do next. We had talked about doing the anatomy of the body of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people want more of, the, want us to keep chasing this thread, then I am still happy to do the anatomy of the body of God. But I am worried that we are getting really opaque. <laughs> and so uh, we'll still do anatomy of the body of God. But if anyone wants to, le- wants to, you know, leave us a Facebook, com- uh, a, a, a YouTube comment or something and say, you know, please do a chapter of something magic without tears or something that I can actually understand. <laughs> um, uh, oh, I guess we'll have recorded our next episode before, <laughs> but, but whether, let us know we'll what you want us to let it. you know yeah. what you want us to release next instead yeah. of, cause I, cause we can pull, we can pull this a cod thread right through to the end of season two, mm-hmm. if you want. Uh, but, uh, but I, I, I think it's better for us to know how people are receiving these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it'd be nice to get, uh, comments that are more interesting and, and thought provoking than just sort of dismissive insults or you know (laughs) are we getting a lot of those no we're not getting a lot of comments generally speaking we've gotten some compliments we've gotten some genuine compliments those are great but they don't necessarily lead to further discourse no and uh the other kinds of compliments that we've gotten also don't tend to lead to further discourse which is kind of you know Either nonsense that I can't quite make heads or tails out of, maybe they're uh, speaking from above the abyss and I just can't put it together, but uh, the other is uh, just dismissive insults, which is all I can describe it as because it's the kind of thing that's not backing itself up with anything deeper. It's just saying, you guys don't know what you're talking about or something like that, and then uh, not saying anything else. I would love to do some talk back episodes where we just read the dismissive insults. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about doing that tonight, actually. So just, uh... I, I think it would be more fun than reading positive feedback. Yeah. The problem is that if we do that, it encourages dis- yeah, the exactly. proliferation of dismissive insults, which would also be okay, except that that, that 
I think pushes us down in the algorithm. Yeah. If we start encouraging people to to downvote us, then we get then then our visibility is reduced. So while I would while while I appreciate your negative comments and would love to see more <laughs> see more of them, I don't think it's actually feasible for us to to start encouraging that too actively. Yeah, I think uh, frankly, uh, I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, honestly, we're doing this because we get something out of doing this. We feel good about doing this. It's for us and it's for anyone else who enjoys this and, uh, can get something out of it. And, uh, I want to see for, I can only speak for myself, but I want to see, uh, you know, just more talking about this subject matter and more, uh, more getting the general culture of Salima out there. You how, know? how about if I, if we're going to invite people to, to leave more comments like mm -hmm. we're supposed to, cause it's, you know, that's what we do on the internet is invite people to, <laughs> I wanted to avoid the whole, please like, and subscribe. Oh, Christ. But, uh, Darkly splendid abodes. You don't need us. We don't need you. The method of science, the aim of religion. Don't do yoga. And that sums up what this podcast sets out to explore. I'm trying to do it without sounding like, yeah, man, it just calms me down and I feel more focused. Featuring discussions on the practices of magic and mysticism. It's way harder to live life doing practice than not doing practice. We'll set out to explore the nature and powers of the mind, as well as what lies beyond its limits. With Thelema, stop listening to us. It's not for you. Yeah. Uh, it, how about we invite comments from people who've actually been inspired to read this and have something to yeah. say about it? Yeah. You know what? Read the thing and see what you get out of it and see if there's like, if you uh, want to meditate on it a little bit, is there stuff that you can pull from it? Yeah. Tell us what we missed. Yeah. Tell us about the piece. Don't tell us about the podcast. <laughs> that might be a good way to go. Um, you can tell us about the podcast too, but. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Love is the law. Love under will. Love is the law. Love under will. Thank you for joining us. Look for Toronto Thelema on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Watch for events in the city. And join us again in the darkly splendid abodes. So I'm going to grab that from over your shoulder there. Oh, this will be creepy. <laughs> Excuse me. So how are you doing? Good grief. <laughs> uh, and through the magic of editing...